History Makers with Matt Prater. Coming off of drugs, you're going to have emotional problems, but I kept chasing after God. And he's using this vehicle to bring people out of the dark into the light. And I went forward and I knelt at the front, and it was a radical conversion experience. And that's where the big change happened, and that's where we decided we're going to use our music for God, we're going to change our songs. When I was about 25 years old, I was uh, busted and into jail, and it was there that I came to the Lord. History Makers with Matt Prater. Hi, and welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Today we're speaking with evangelist and pastor Nigel McNeil from Revival Fire Ministries. How are you doing, Nigel? I am fantastic, Matt. It's Very great, good. great to uh, have you with us on the radio today. We're going to find out Thank a bit you. about your ministry, but let's uh, find out a bit of your background. Where, where were you born and raised, mate? Okay, I'm an ex-Kiwi. Of course, Kiwis wouldn't want you to hear that. <laughs> uh, I'm an ex-Kiwi, become an Australian, and I've been here for probably about 35, 40 years in Australia. I was born in Dunedin uh, in the South Island. Okay, and what was your family life like? Did you have a religious upbringing at all? Look, look, I did. My, my mother was an opera singer. Um, my father um, had salesman jobs, but my mother pursued theatre a lot. So we grew up in this rather zany theatrical house. Uh, and that's, uh, of course, my mother's past and my father now. So that's, that's my background family-wise. Okay. And what about your faith journey? Did you uh, have like a conversion experience as a young fellow? How did you come to Christ? I, I did. I, I was um, my my mother and sister. And I go to church, and originally it was Salvation Army, uh, and then we went to uh, we became Anglicans as a family, and so. Uh, but I was saved basically through um, the evangelism of two brothers um, who mentored a lot of young men, um, fantastic people. And they led me to Christ, and I had a real conversion uh, just in the in a lounge room of a house. Nothing dramatic, but certainly very impactful. Changed my whole life. And tell us a bit about your um, ministry journey after that. Did you get straight into ministry, or did you work for no, people? What did you do? No. No, I did various jobs, um, sales um, mainly. Um, and then then I my first ministry job, per se, was a youth pastor um, in Invercargill in New Zealand. And I, I became a youth pastor, then pastored several churches, uh, which brought me right up until where I am today, uh, of course, in the United States as a revivalist. And tell us a bit about the journey to the U.S. How did you first get connected over there? That was interesting because my wife and I were in a real ministry burnout. And um, it was, uh, we had, decided both of us to take a sabbatical to just kind of get our head head on. And um, anyway, out of the blue, we went to a meeting and there was a revivalist from New York who had a church in New York. And uh, as we left, he grabbed me by the hand and he said, are you Nigel McNeil? I've never seen this person before. And I said, yes, I am. He said, well, look, I'm, I had a dream about you and I'm to bring you back into the ministry. And it floored me. I, I was... I was absolutely amazed at this. And to make a long story short, uh, he had paid for my fare and my wife's fare to go to New York, which we did. And at the same time, the Lord alerted a prophetess in Vermont, which is about six hours drive, uh, said, there's two foreigners I want you to prophesy over. 
And so um, she drove six hours. We're sitting in the pastor's office on a Sunday morning. She walked in and pointed to us and said, you're the foreigners. And she prophesied. She said, there's been a cloak of heaviness over both your lives, but God's about to reveal his glory. And that began probably the most exciting chapter of my life in the United States. We hooked up with Rodney Howard Brown, and then I barnstormed across uh, across America, having revivals, two meetings a day, six days a week. And so we continue to not do the amount of meetings like that, but we're certainly still very highly visible in America at this time. And I know you ended up being involved in a ministry uh, connected to Steve Hill, who was part of the Brownsville Revival at Pensacola. Tell us about how you got that connection. Well, I'm, I met him. Uh, he was dying. I, 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 his daughter uh, really felt impressed that w- him and I should meet. And, of course, the man was dying. I think he had cancer in the spine. And so I went to an, an office uh, with Steve, and we talked. And uh, I could see he was in a lot of pain. And I said to him, Steve, he was pastoring uh, this church heartland in Dallas, and um, I, I said after about 10 minutes, quarter of an hour, I said, Steve, look, we'll go. I just so appreciate the time. And he and with tears streaming down his face, he looked up to heaven and he said, Nigel, I love talking about the move of God and about revival. And for the next three hours, all he talked about was the visitation of the Holy Ghost. And in the end, he came around the side of the desk. He prayed for us. My wife and I were slain in the power of God. And it was just an incredible impartation. It took me months to process it. And when I looked up, he was gone. And so the pastor now of Heartland, I'm in the apostolic relationship with him, uh, with another brother, uh, Dr. David Remedios. And so we oversee eldership uh, in that situation in Heartland as we speak now. Oh, that's wonderful to hear about that connection. And I do remember all those years ago uh, when I was a young youth pastor listening to Revival in Brownsville, the, the worship CD, and uh, yes. all the amazing songs and, and hearing the stories of what God did in that small town uh, in uh, in Pensacola in that, in that church. And, you know, people were lined up around the streets to, to attend oh. the services there. Uh, amazing what God did in that season, hey? Well, and, and look, I, I think America has been very blessed with moves of God and revivals and awakenings. And, um, you know, there's certainly a great expectation now for that to be <clears throat> for an awakening to come to the United States and to the world. And um, I'm excited. I'm excited about being involved over there or anywhere, really. But especially America is my dominant call. And tell us a bit about your, your travels. Have you, have you done uh, ministry in, in many other nations as well? Look, I haven't. Um, my my call to America was so significant and so profound. When we went there, I took my two boys, my wife and myself, and we hit the road. And um, I've been so focused on America. I've had many invites to many countries, and I've just turned them down, literally. Uh, I've just felt uh, to stay focused on what I'm doing. And the only thing that's uh, the only reason why I'm out of there now is because of the COVID situation. Mm. No. Um, so I've not really travelled to any other places. I've done. I've been to New Zealand, of course. Travelled uh, in the early days. Travelled extensively around Australia, uh, but in the last twenty-five years, it's been all, all the United States. And tell us a bit about uh, you know you talk about revival and th- to different people 
that means a different thing. What, yes, it what's, does. What's your definition of revival? I see revival, and of course I've, I've had the, the privilege and the honour of being involved in, in, in an awakening and in a move of God. I see it as a sovereign intervention of the Holy Spirit and where things in normal church life would be difficult when the sovereign power of comes comes on a church or on a group of people, things happen. I, we saw great uh, and still continue to see great demonstration of the power of God, people getting healed, people getting delivered. And we had many supernatural signs and wonders with that as well. So I see it as a sovereign intervention from God to wake up a sleepy church. And, and I think what we've done in the absence of power We've, we've created an image in church, thinking that the image is going to grow the church. And that's not what I, I do not believe that's what God wants. God wants us to lock into what he wants to do in his program. And I think the next move of God we're going to see is going to be very demonstrative. I see it as we're going to see a lot of demonstration and, and miracles like we've never, ever seen before, ever. And I'm curious to know, like, I love hearing about people like yourself that travel and preach and do incredible ministry, you know, but it can also be uh, quite a busy schedule uh, when you're doing this. So when, you, when you're on the road and you're preaching and you're, you're doing your revival meetings and everything, yep. what do you do for your personal devotions from God? Like, how do you get your inspiration to preach? Do, do you have, like, a, a Bible reading plan or do you just read through, you know, wherever the Spirit leads? What, what do you do for your personal devotions? Okay, what I do is that um, we get to about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, you've got to remember, too, I'm preaching every night. Yeah. So this is not just on a Sunday. I'm, we start Sunday, finish Wednesday, Thursday, then I'm traveling Friday to the next church. And God gives you a real grace for that, Matt. So physically, uh, he does. He gives you that anointing to be able to do that. But about four o'clock in the afternoon, that's when I go into private devotions. And I spend about two to three hours in prayer before every meeting, no matter how tired I am. And um, I'll get into the scripture. I play soaking music um, and I just worship God. And, um, you know, so I'm ready. I've already had an encounter with God even before getting to the meeting. So and that happens every day. So two to three hours every day, I'm in private devotions. And tell us what's the heart of the message that you bring. Like, so you know, if you were invited to preach and share a message uh, in Australia, because you know the thing is, uh, America and Australia have a lot of similarities, but there's also a lot of differences as well. And I know you mainly preach in the US, but you know this interview, yeah. of course, will be played in Australia to mainly an Australian audience. What message would you want to bring to Australia today? What's the word that's on your heart for our nation? Oh, look, to be honest with you, I, I think I think to a large degree the church has lost its way. And, uh, and I think that uh, my message would be here as anywhere for a move of God. And you've got to remember, too, I'm not going in for just a Sunday, so we're, we're doing several nights. And so we talk and one spirit of God, not being not being locked into a to a method or a time frame, and just giving ourselves to the Lord. And it seems to be waiting on the Lord like this in sustained meetings 
that God shows up. And so I think the, I think the, the cry should be today, God, revisit your house. And we need a visitation. Australia needs a visitation of the Holy Ghost. And we need the Lord to pour out his spirit once more upon the Australian church. And, you know, I, I really think that will resonate with a lot of listeners because, you know, I've been a part of the uh, the National Day of Prayer and Fasting here in Australia for several years. And we, mm-hmm. we started out, we had like a few hundred people that would gather in Canberra and we'd pray and fast and seek God for a day. And, and it was just like 300. And we're like, really? That's all? You know, and then every year we get more and more and more. And, and now there's That's like awesome. 85 different prayer gatherings that happen every year around Australia, wow. uh, praying, fasting, wow. standing in the gap, you know. And I, I think the Australian church is starting to awaken. We're seeing glimpses of it, pockets of revival in different parts of our nation. Uh, but we, we need to see a sovereign, like you said, the sovereign move of God across the whole nation. See, I think, I think too, I, I think we're, we're, we're so addicted, this, this society in which we live in, we are so addicted to busyness and social media and everything else. And I think that there's something about waiting on the Spirit of God uh, when you get into a, a meetings like I'm in and you're waiting on the Spirit of God and then to see God show up in such powerful ways it is awesome. And it's amazing because I can be exhausted doing this, um, but, you know, as soon as the anointing comes, as soon as the presence of God comes, uh, as you well know, uh, it's refreshing mm. and strengthening. And I think this next move that we see I think it's going to be worldwide and it's going to touch every nation. And I think that's going to be the last awakening that we'll see before the second coming of Christ. Wow. That's my conviction. Wow. It's exciting, mate. You know, uh, there might be people listening that are thinking, you know what, I like the sound of this, but I've never actually made a commitment to come to Christ. Uh, you shared a bit earlier about your conversion experience when you made that decision to follow Christ. Um, would you just challenge anyone listening right now if they – if they've never heard the gospel, what is the gospel and how do they respond? When I was a young man and I was, uh, I was unhappy with my life, absolutely unhappy with my life, I was aimless, I had no purpose. And then these two, these two brothers sat down and they talked to me about the love of God. And I'd had rather a tremendous bringing up uh, in quite a crazy household, being theatrical, of course. But these brothers sat down and began to talk to me about the love of God. And I think in such a world of hatred, the love of God is amazing. And doesn't matter what our life has been, doesn't matter how bad we've been, there's a God that loves you. And he loves us without conditions and unconditional love. And all we have to do is reach out, say, Father, I invite you into my life to be my Lord and Savior. And I'm telling you, it is a life change. For the rest of your life, you'll never be the same again. But it takes that step, just stepping out and saying, I want what I'm hearing this preacher say. Mm, That is good news. Absolutely awesome to connect with you today, Nigel. And, you know, if people do want to respond to that, uh, they can send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com, and we'd be happy to send you a Bible and some information about following Jesus and maybe connect you to a church. Once again, the email is info at historymakersradio.com. And if you'd like to find out more about Nigel McNeil and Revival Fire Ministries, the website is revivalfireministry.com. You can connect with them there. It's been wonderful to hear your story today, Nigel. I reckon you're a history maker. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it, Pat.
God bless. If you'd like to hear this conversation again, listen online anytime at historymakersradio.com. There you'll also find links to all of our social media channels and you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast. History Makers is a faith-based ministry and we want to thank everyone for their generous support. If you've got a suggestion of anyone we should interview, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless. I'm Matt Prater and my challenge to you now is to go and make history. This year is the 50th anniversary for the Bible League. They're celebrating all that God's done in their ministry and they're praying into all that He's going to do in the next 50 years. Ephesians 3.20 says that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to His power that's at work within us. To Him be the glory of the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. If you'd like to support the Bible League as they reach the generations to come, go to BibleLeague.com.au. Station sponsor.